Hello, and welcome back to the Promethean Perspective. I am your host, Emily Ryback, and I'm thrilled that you are joining me for another episode here. We are going to be doing a beautiful episode today on ways to pursue holiness. And the reason why I really wanted to talk about this, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but I think I was recently... I think recently, no, I was, <laughs> I was going to say something and then my train of thought switched tracks. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like, it's one of those moments where you're like almost a minute in and you have to make that decision. Do I just stop and do I start over entirely or do I just roll with it and let the Holy Spirit take over and just remain humble? And I think at this point, because now that I've explained the philosophy, the philosophy behind all of it, that I should probably just continue on at this point. And I forgot where I was even going to begin with. The way my initial thought, I lost it. No, I grabbed it. It's back. Okay, so today's episode is going to be on pursuing holiness and really focusing on in on what that looks like on the practical level every day. Because I was recently in a dialogue with an individual and just their whole understanding of holiness and their whole mentality surrounding holiness and how we pursue holiness and what that looks like on the daily was so extravagant and so like large and cumbersome and intimidating. And I don't think that that is the case in terms of holiness. I think holiness is is really honestly simple because holiness is, is humble. Um, and the way in which Christ demonstrates holiness through his own life is really quite simple. And if he invites us to perfection and to love and to be one with him, then of course he's going to assist us in whatever way possible. So I think holiness really is quite simple, but I think that because we have so much going on in our lives and we tend to just rationalize things in an extravagant form that we blow everything out of proportion when it really could just be quite simple. And that doesn't mean like a passivity. It definitely requires an, an action I'm part of the individual who is pursuing holiness and pursuing, you know, everything good therein. But I just really wanted to talk about today and give that today and give you guys some pointers on just kind of my take on this topic and and like seven key points that I think really focus in on helping one pursue holiness with intentionality and clarity and, and also simplicity. But, I mean, today is a gorgeous day. So before we get into that, praise the Lord for this beautiful day. I am right now looking outside my window, which I have a beautiful view of this mockingbird and a blue jay, actually, both in our raspberry patch, which is like right outside my window. And we have black and red raspberries. And then behind we have goji berries. So we have like this patch of like, I don't know, a buffet of berries for these birds. And normally we try to get them all picked before the birds can get them. But if we have a few like extra, because the Lord is so abundant to us and gives us so many blessings, we don't mind if the birds share a few. And they're just so gorgeous. Like the birds around here are just so lively and gorgeous. And praise the Lord for the gift of this day. Beautiful blue sky. I'm sure that has to do with our Mother Mary and her blue mantle encompassing the world. Today is also a very special feast day. Hold on, let me grab a book real fast. I'm going to knock a few things over here probably. Maybe not. Maybe we can do it gracefully. All right, I'm back. Slide these things back on. Uh, okay. Today is the feast day of Marcellinus and Peter, and they were both martyrs. So, unfortunately, today is not a, a fast day where we'd have to worry about, not worry, but if, yesterday, if today was yesterday, if today was Wednesday, then we would have a fat feast day. But today is also a feast day, so we can also feast today, even though it's technically not a fast day. But um, uh, 
they were both martyred during the Diocletian persecutions, and they actually were, um, their bodies were, they were beheaded, and their bodies were buried in a cemetery in, I think it was Via, Via Lavacana. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I, that's, I, like, I remember the, the spelling in my mind, so it's L-A-B-I-C-A-N-A, Lavacana. I think that's how you would say that. Um, and, and so once the persecutions were over, they actually had a basilica built over their tombs. So pretty cool. So they're martyrs from the early church. And I think there's a lot of beauty to that just because we're coming up on the feast of Pentecost. And I could not think of that word to save my life for a moment. <laughs> we're coming up on the feast of Pentecost and just to recognize the life of the early church and the individuals therein who chose to really remain steadfast to to a new, to the birth of the church and the birth of the mission of, of Christ, which is love, and the, just the amount of souls that were committed to it and the amount of Christians that were willing to sacrifice their lives for this, the message of the gospel and just the beauty of that because Tertullian said that the blood of Christian, of the, of the martyrs, is the seed of Christianity, and there's so much truth to that <clears throat> just in that their legacy, their love, their passion, their, their commitment, their witness to the faith, uh, which is, you know, where we get the the word martyr, uh, just bears such power, particularly as we're coming upon the birthday of the church. Uh, so let's get into today's episode. I actually have to hurry along, not in any way like rushing, because I'm still in the mode of enjoying the present moment, which is a great gift from the Lord. Also, I'd like to apologize, like apologize, but at the same time, like not apologize, but apologize, because the last episode, I don't really know what happened to the audio. I've kind of looked into it as much as I possibly could to try to figure out what was going on in terms of the audio. I mean, it's still listenable, but it's just kind of annoying. It's got like an annoying pitch to it, and I don't really know what happened to the audio when I uploaded it. Anywho, it's just another perfect example of how the Lord keeps us humble. So I apologize for that, but at the same time, I don't really apologize because I wouldn't expect it to be perfect because I'm not a perfect individual. So I just say yes, I do what I can, and the rest is not for me to worry about. Um, so I apologize for that. But let's get into today's episode because I actually have bagpipe lessons here in about 24 minutes. So let's see if we can get into this episode. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple because holiness is simple, like I said. Um, and just keeping in mind with the, the last weeks of the liturgical year, I think that we've really reflected a lot, I would say, on on the four last things of, of death, judgment, and hell, and, and heaven because we've been through this season of Lent, which is like the season of, of death and, and reflection and conversion and repentance and in humility. And then we go into the season of Easter, which is the season of life and, and Christ, you know, descending into hell and then opening the gates of heaven and, and just making it possible for us to be able to be with him eternally. But then the reality of judgment and in our free will in light of that is still a, a, a real conversation and, and really, I would say, poignant. And so, you know, one thing I just really want to stress and that I, I really stress in, in any conversation I have with people in any kind of teaching setting, whether that be like religious education, RCA, things of those of, of that nature, is that um, you were made for holiness. You were made to become a saint. You were given the, the life that you have possesses pr- particular gifts and qualities and, and pa- passion and purpose. And regardless of the fact you're alive for, I don't know, a hundred years or maybe just 10 years, you were called to sanctity. And so recognizing our responsibility to call others onto sanctity as well as ourselves. And that there's no like, uh, like 
limitations to to how one can pursue holiness or, or when one should pursue holiness because i mean even there's um with the servant sisters of the home of the mother it's a community i'm very familiar with i'm actually wearing one of their shirts today it says home of the mother in the front and then on the back it says pro eternal life so it's a pretty cool shirt and it's this beautiful royal mary in blue color so shout out to mama mary uh but they had a priest from their community father henry and they actually have a documentary on his life so if you're interested in that it's called i am fire you can find it on youtube super cool highly recommend it. i'll have a link to it in the show notes he would do a lot with the youth because that's part of the mission of the home of the mother is they conquest souls for the for for Jesus Christ and and really call them forth to sanctity and in the summer camps that he would do in the programs and when he would speak uh, regardless of you were 18 or, or 8 he would still stress the same fact that you were created for holiness and he would call them forth to sanctity and call them forth to become a saint even if they were just like 8 years old um so so just really keeping that in mind like this is the overarching theme is that Life is about pursuing sanctity. Our job here is to become saints. And I, I don't think I should call it a job. More, our vocation is to become a saint. And St. Teresa of Avila offers a simple but very profound insight. And she says this. She says, trifles make for holiness, but holiness is no trifle. And, you know, in light of this, the epistle to the Hebrews says in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 13, that, or sorry, Chapter 13, verse 14. Is that what I said? I don't know what I said to begin with, but that's what I meant to say. <laughs> he says that for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. And that doesn't mean that we have like this rejection of this earth or, I mean, in a certain sense we do. We're not of this world, but it doesn't mean that we like despise this earth, but that like we just segregate ourselves from the world. I mean, to a certain extent, yes, you're not made for this world. You were made for for the things of above, but at the same time, appreciating that you were put here on this earth for a reason. How are you going to pursue holiness while during your time here? And how are you going to convince or not convict, but convince, but convict others to pursue holiness? And so I'm going to offer you seven elements that I really want to encourage you to take to prayer and really reflect on because I could just say them to you and you could hear them, but unless you take them to prayer, unless you journal about them, you journal with them, meditate upon them, really like look into the practicalities of, okay, like what does this look like for me in my specific life and how do I really embrace this? So if you have a journal, I highly recommend you just to kind of get, get that out and jot some things down that you can then take to prayer later on. Um, if you don't have a journal, then just get the notebook of your brain ready to go and make some make some key points as I'm speaking. So here we go. We're going to jump into it. So the first one I want to really stress is that holiness is consistent with being childlike. Now, this is kind of commonly known because I think that's something that our Lord really asserts, you know, unequivocally is that, you know, unless you turn and become like a child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's something that he stresses in the Gospels. Um, but and, and something that I think a lot of saints really emphasize, particularly like St. St. Therese of Lisieux, but there's a, a big difference from being childlike and childish. And I think this is, this has been, this is a topic that's been talked about, I would say a lot um, in, in Catholic culture as of recently, particularly on, you know, other podcasts and more contemporary forms of evangelization. This, this distinction between being childlike and childish and embracing our littleness and being, remaining innocent and pure. I think this is something that's been talked about a lot. Uh, but, but something that is still important to stress here is that like, um, St. Therese, she was devoted to the Holy Child Jesus because in her appreciation of, of who the child Jesus was, she was able to really grasp the qualities of what it, of what sanctity was, of what it meant to be a spiritual child, to be adopted daughters and sons of God. And so I would say in a world that really 
looks down upon innocence or looks down upon purity or looks down upon a childlikeness, it's really hard to preserve what it means to be childlike. I'll give you, for instance, children aren't afraid to ask the hard questions. Children aren't afraid to be honest or to speak bluntly. Um, children don't have like predetermined judgments. Like they're just, they're in awe of everything. They're just, they're appreciating the wonder of, of life and the wonder of experiences and things that look abnormal or just unusual. They'll just come out and say it or they'll, you know, they're just so brutally honest and as you get older, you start to care more about people's opinions. You start to care more about judgments. You start to become more um, refrained in certain ways. And, and not that it's wrong to necessarily become refrained, but do you still carry forth that wonder of a child? Do you still carry forth the innocence, the purity of a child? Do you still carry forth like brutal honesty in asking the hard questions and get in, in, in receiving the answers and and just embrace embracing life with a with a childlike awe, not a childishness of like, um, you know, reckless and rebellious and no and no, uh, what do I say? Um, no no like guidelines or structures. That's not at all what I'm saying, because there's that differentiation again between being childish and childlike. So, if there's ever a way in which you can remain remain more pure, more innocent, more simple, like a child, I encourage you to do it. Take the take the the humbler route that appears childish, but in many ways is, is very just embracing of, of what it means to be childlike. Keep the wonder alive. Live with joy. Ask honest questions. Don't really care what people think of you. Children don't care, you know, what people think of, of them, which is why they're so free. And so I think that childlikeness really um, correlates with, with freedom and living authentically free to, to be able to just... Be in awe of what God's doing and to appreciate that. So be childlike. And I would say that's something that has brought me immense joy and immense freedom is is embracing that gift of being childlike. And beware, people will judge you greatly and they will really misinterpret when you live like like a child. Um, Not childishly, but childlike. People really will misinterpret it. But um, just be confident that you are a child of God and that really what other people think of you is none of your business. Um, second point, and I, this should probably have been the first, but no, it should have been the first. Holiness is, is consistent in a strong love for the Holy Eucharist. Um, our Lord's presence in the blessed sacrament, the humility of God to take on the form of bread and to remain with us 24 seven, to be received by us, uh, to just come with such humility. Oh, just the crazy love of God that he gives himself to us through the gift of the Holy Eucharist. There's not a single saint in history who did not appreciate Christ in the Eucharist. You can read all the writings of the saints. You can read their biographies, their autobiographies, their writings, their letters, their visions, everything you can you can come to appreciate about these saints. They're always somewhere along the lines going to talk about their love for Christ in the Eucharist. And And there's such a power here because... You know, I'll use this this quote from St. Jose Maria Escriva, who is a beautiful writer. But he says, a very important characteristic of the apostolic man is his love for the mass. Um, And he says says, um, that the mass is long um, because your love is short. Meaning that if mass is boring to you or mass is unbearable to you or you just can't wait for mass to be over, you just go to mass on Sunday because you have to versus you want to, 
then that points to a shortness of your love that you don't know how to love or receive the love that is being given to you at holy mass and i have done an episode more fully on the gift of the eucharist because i really had to uh learn how to like conf- confine myself if you will in terms of this topic because i could just go on and on and on about the holy eucharist because i have a great love for our lord and the blessed sacrament but um holiness goes hand in hand with with love for our lord and the blessed sacrament if you don't have a, a relationship with our with our a living lord in the blessed sacrament then i don't know how you would even have like the ability to love well per, like because if you're not connected to the source of all love if you're not spending time with Jesus, then your spiritual strength is going to run out. Your inertia to be able to to remain devout and virtuous and committed and faithful, it's it's going to run out. So go to adoration, spend time with our Lord, whether you're you know immensely deep in prayer, whether you're meditating, contemplating, praying a rosary, or just sitting in absolute silence, which honestly, guys, that's like, I'll just be honest with you. That's what a lot of my prayer looks like right now is just sitting with him, not saying a single thing, but just sitting with him because we don't always have the words. You know, he knows everything. It's all written on our hearts and he reads our hearts. He knows everything to begin with that I just have the freedom to be able to just sit with him and not have to say a single thing to him, but know that he knows me fully. And yet he still permits me to sit there in his presence of of a perfect God who created the heavens, just permits little old me to sit there with him. And he invites you to the exact same thing. Go to Eucharistic adoration, make make it a daily habit, whether it's just a moment, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's an hour, go, 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 go. And and make sure you're preparing yourself properly when you receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. It's been such a joy to watch these little souls, these little childlike innocent souls receive um, our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament as they make their first communion uh, during the month of May, just this past month. It's just been absolutely beautiful to witness. And it's like, oh goodness, like do we all receive and carry forth that same childlikeness that we may have possessed when we first received our lord in the blessed sacrament um and i think i talked about that a bit in the last episode but um make sure your love is not short make sure your love is 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 growing and expanding because you're going to the source of love itself all right number three kind of basically ties into number two because holiness is consistent with devotion to the blessed mother if you want to follow christ and you want to do his will and you want to pursue holiness and be holy just as he is holy it only makes logical sense to go to his mother because his mother knows him the best his mother desires only to leave us lead us to her son and so the motherhood of mary um, permits her to to intercede on our behalf and give us this gift of grace that uh, of of what her yes included at the Annunciation was was a yes to being our mother a yes to desiring us to be with her son fully completely totally and Cardinal Newman says that he, once he recollected on um, on on the the holiness and and the prudence of his blessed mother and he said that that you could never love the blessed virgin too much because um or or sorry you can never love the blessed virgin too much because christ loves her the most or something along those lines i'm probably just totally butchered that but it's a really beautiful sentiment because it's like in loving our mother there's no detraction whatsoever from loving christ it's actually appreciating further christ because you're appreciating the fullness of of his life of his story of of who he is christo christocentric in the midst of mary being the mediator 
mediatrix of all graces. So Mother Mary goes hand in hand with that element of holiness. The fourth would be um, holiness is consistent in doing the ordinary things of life extraordinary well extraordinarily well I, I butchered that last word um, but and I think another saint will re- refer back to Saint Therese is because she was known for the little way and I actually one of my favorite papers that I ever wrote in high school was actually on the little way and it was a it was a long shot because I didn't know how it was going to be received by the professor but I was really passionate about this particular topic so I wrote on it and I got a really great grade because um, I wrote about something that I knew to be true I knew that it was there was so much truth and and conviction behind what I was relaying in regards to Little Way because she recognized, St. Therese recognized that she wasn't capable of doing great things. And a lot of us aren't, guys. And that's okay because achieving sanctity doesn't mean doing these big, massive, extraordinary, you know, things. Doesn't mean being a, a missionary in a third world country, but it just just embracing the humdrum tasks of every day with eyes fixed on Christ. So whether you're sweeping the stairs, whether you're, you know, feeding a child for the 20th time throughout the day because they're always hungry, (laughs) you know, whether you're doing dishes or or laundry or working at a job that you just really don't like or whatever you're doing, do it out of love for God. Keep your eyes focused on him and, and just learn to see God in the details and that attending to, to the little details really keeps you childlike. It keeps you focused on the road to perfection. So this really ties in a lot to simplicity. That that simplicity should never be misunderstood as like a simple mindedness or like a simple simplistic method of like appreciating life. Because when we chase after like fame or fortune or like the empty marvels or wonders of the world, that we're we're while still trying to provide a careful nuance for every teaching of Christ in the church, it's very easy to complicate what God has actually made very simple. So being simple-minded in in the sense of not having your heart open to the ways in which Christ desires you to pursue holiness is not exactly what I would encourage, but remaining simple where Christ can use you in whatever, or desires to to work with you in whatever way, like a willingness, like a a simplicity of a a posture, if you will, of of the posture of your heart that if Christ says go, you go. If Christ says stay, you stay. If Christ says love, you love. If Christ says speak, you speak. That, That docility to the spirit. And um, the little flower, I think she says nothing is an obstacle to holiness because different temperaments, situations in which we find ourselves, duties in our state of life, they can become material for sanctity. So use everything that you find yourself on the daily having to encounter in, in your vocation. Use that as a means for your sanctity. Don't wait for, I don't know, these big extravagant experiences to come along. No, don't miss the opportunity, the grace of right now. Number five, holiness consists in embracing the suffering that comes our way. So the first point that we that must be perceived is that the believer does not suffer alone, that we suffer in union with Christ. Suffering is redemptive uh, for the one suffering, for any for whom he offers their suffering. So St. Paul teaches the Colossians that, that he rejoices in his sufferings for their sake, for, for the sake of, of his people, because in his flesh, he completes what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, and that is the church. That sounds a little, what? Like, what do you, like, there's nothing lacking in Christ. What could be lacking to the sufferings of God is 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 man. And and what I mean by this is is man's participation. The head of the body has indeed suffered and, and has 
drunken to the dregs of the chalice of suffering. But what St. Augustine calls is, is, the, is, is the whole Christ, the, the totus Christus. And that means that his mystical body, which is the church, is called to drink completely, fully from that chalice as well. And as we do that, we do it in union with Christ the suffering one and in union with every other sufferer within the body of Christ who's ever lived and suffered in Christ's name. And so Christians, they're not, um, Christians don't go out of their way to seek crosses to carry. That's not their vocation. That's not our vocation. But if, if one is being a skeptic or agnostic atheist or, you know, a disciple of Christ, no human being can suffer at bay forever. Some try to avoid it. Some try to delay it. Some live in denial of it. Um, some respond with anger. But if a Christian, how do I want to say this? A Christian need not and should not look for crosses. Christ will give you the cross that, that, that he desires you to carry. But when that cross comes, you have to pray for the ability to deal with it lovingly while still appreciating your humanity which results only in like the increasing of your dignity as a human and increase for the love of the world and increase in, in, in the riches that God desires to give you in the life to come. And the reason why I say this is because a cross is, is when God's will and our will intersects and is sometimes at odds. And sanctity is when God's will and our will run parallel to each other. So each day, Every moment, we're going to be faced with that choice to embrace God's will revealed in everyday circumstances. Or we can choose to resist and fight the work that he desires to do in our souls to sanctify us. And ultimately, that choice that we're going to make, it determines our eternal destiny. Okay, moving along because we have six minutes here. Um, Holiness is consistent in the desire to please God. So I think much of what we do definitely seems to be, how do I want to put this, Uh, oriented in such a manner to earn us a reward or to avoid a penalty. And I think that's the that's the mindset that a lot of Christians carry in regards to holiness. Because, like, the traditional act of contrition puts words on our lips, which calls to mind that while, you know, speaking in the human sense, we are sorry for our sins because we dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, we're actually urged to advance to a more perfect form of sorrow. That is... Um, where we go on in, in the act of contrition, we say, because my sins offend me, my God, who are all good, are all good and deserving of all of my love. That's what we say after we're absolved from our sins. And so, or sorry, before we're absolved from sins, after we confess our sins, we say the act of contrition. So our fear of the Lord has, has Christ's disciples, has his followers, should not be this, this type of servile fear, but, but a filial, a filial fear. And, and, to, I mean, just to differentiate, the servile fear, you know, moves us to act certain ways because we're in terror of the consequences. Whereas that filial fear is is where we are moved to be contrite for our sins and to absolve, to be absolved for our sins and to amend our ways because we know that that God is a loving Father who deserves our love and that if we love Him in return, we would never want to displease Him. And so, if we live to love God well that we in turn have to recall that he has done all out of love and not to please himself in some kind of like, I don't know, divine narcissism, but that what he's doing is ultimately for our good. And so that when we live with that desire in our hearts and our minds to love him well, in turn, in humility, we come to understand that he does what is ultimately best for us, that he he has our best interests at heart. He has not only our best interests, but our children's best interests, our spouse's best interests, our friend's best interests. He, he loves everyone more than we could ever possibly dream of, more than we could possibly fathom. He loves ourselves more than, than we could ever. 
And St. Augustine has this great quote. He says, Intimior intimo meo, which means closer to me than I am to myself. Meaning that God is so close to us. He's closer to us than we are to even ourselves. So just recognizing that in your pursuit of holiness, it's never a matter of like getting on God's right side, like getting on the right side of God and getting right with God. It's a matter of recognizing the astounding amount of love he has for you, the abundance of love that he desires to pour upon you and that you can only receive well. I just hit the microphone. That's how passionate I'm getting right now. (laughs) Sorry about that. You can only receive his love well when you choose to recognize that he loves you more than you could ever love yourself. Okay. And lastly, and I think this one's really important. It's like kind of like a big point that I don't think is ever really discussed, but holiness is consistency with having a sense of humor, a sense of lightheartedness, a sense of good, wholesome fun. People have had, I don't know, just this mentality for so long that like holiness goes hand in hand with scrupulosity and like misery. When a, a person is pursuing holiness and is miserable, that is not attractive. And holiness needs to be attractive so other people are drawn to it and other people are brought into that fold of pursuing sanctity for which they were created. When you pursue holiness, you have to be happy. You have to be joyful because you recognize that what you're pursuing, what you're putting your time into, whom you're loving, whom you're trying to love well, he's the author of, of everything good, true, and beautiful. And that he has he has a desire for to see his children joyful. And recognizing that like, the good news is not like the miserable news is not like the the news of of now you must live with no joy because now you have all these guidelines and these laws and these regulations and precepts to follow no if if christians wanted others to believe in a god that was glum and miserable and like just full of scrupulosity i don't think there'd be half the amount of christians there were today there is today because like you i mean just okay look at the greatest saints Philip Neri, St. Teresa of Avila. There's a few of them. Like, St. Philip Neri was ext- well-known, extremely well-known for being a practical jokester. St. Teresa of Avica- Avila would often ask God to deliver her from would-be saints who made a career out of looking miserable. Good humor makes external various interior dispositions. Peacefulness, calmness, contentment, acceptance of God's will in, in one's life. It all produces genuine joy, which is not like a, a cheap um, mask or... or billboard if you will of like of superficiality but like having a pure joy that arises out of sure conviction that we love God and God loves us and that we're pursuing him like that conviction that joy that rises out of that conviction like that is that is genuine and that has to be on our billboard has Christians who are pursuing holiness because joy comes out of the awareness that the greatest battles we will face in this life against the world against the flesh against temptations against the devil they've all been fought and they've all been won by Jesus Christ but it still remains for us to claim the victory, to, cho- to, to, to choose to be on the winning side. And so that type of perspective on many levels gives you a real genuine sense of humor, which is, it, it's, I think it's very fitting and extremely necessary in, in that precondition for our hope in, into a state of eternal joy. And uh, I'll conclude with this, is that Pope Benedict in his opening apostolic letter in the the year of 2012, um, the year of faith, uh, wrote this. He said, the door of faith is always open for us, ushering us into the life of communion with God and offering entry into his church. 
It is possible to Christ that thresh, cross that threshold when the word of God is proclaimed and the heart allows itself to be shaped by transforming grace. To enter through that door is to set on, on a journey that lasts a lifetime. So live life in pursuit of becoming a saint and enjoy it. Embrace it. Be joyful. Be at peace. Know that God, know who God is and who you are in light of that truth. You know, St. Therese set the goal of being of being a saint, even as a child, like she recognized, like I've always wished that I could be a saint. And she says, she, she gives us, I mean, this extremely wise advice. She goes, believe me, don't wait until tomorrow to begin becoming a saint. It's a journey that lasts a lifetime, guys. All the way to heaven is heaven. Enjoy the process of holiness. Enjoy the pursuit of holiness on the daily, moment by moment, day by day, because the way to heaven is heaven. Sure, there's suffering. Sure, there's challenges. Sure, there's setbacks. But in, in light of who God is, in light of, who, of how he loves us, the way to heaven is heaven. The road that takes us there, it may be long, it may be narrow, it may be bumpy, it may be full of uncertainties. But none of that really, truly, authentically matters because in light of the eternal joy that God desires for us, our eternal home in heaven has saints, has his beloved children. It's, the way to heaven is heaven. I mean, as, as St. Catherine of Siena says it, all the way to heaven is heaven. And that's just where I'll leave y'all. So there you have it. The seven elements of, of holiness. So I am going to hop off here and pursue my day living for holiness, embracing my vocation as a daughter of God and taking it poco poco, little by little. Sorry, I just stole the, the Franciscan's catchphrase anywho uh live with joy live for holiness become the saint you were created to be i will be praying for you on this journey to our eternal home in heaven god bless you